Hey there, .NET Rocks listeners. If you couldn't make it to London this year for NSBCon, the very first conference all about N-ServiceBus, we have some good news for you. NSBCon is coming to New York City September 29th and 30th. That's right, two full days of sessions on distributed systems development from top speakers like Udi Dahan, Oren Eni, Ted Neward, and... .NET Rocks is going to be there, too. Not only that, but we have a deal for you. Register before July 31st and get two days of video from Udi Dahan's course free. These videos will teach you about messaging patterns, where and when to use buses and brokers, and the right way to go about service-oriented architecture. These videos usually cost over $1,000, but we oh-so-gently twisted Udi's arm so you, our loyal listeners, can get access to the very best, but only if you register before July 31st. So join Richard and me at NSBCon and take your development skills to a whole new level. Go to NSBConNYC.com and register today. .NET Rocks, Episode 1012, with guest Atlee Hunter. Recorded Monday, July 14th, 2014. Thank you very much. Welcome back. It's Carl and Richard. It's Dotnet Rocks. Atlee Hunter is here. Going to be a great show. And uh, Richard, how are you, man? I am well. I got nothing to complain about. It's hot and sunny here. I've been barbecuing like crazy. It's all good. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I got nothing much to say. We had a big 4th of July, sort of, not 4th of July, the, the Sailfest fireworks party, which usually happens uh week after the 4th. Nice. That was this Saturday. You always throw a big party for that at the studio. Yeah. I had a big party, open up the windows, invite the whole town. You know, it's a public party. Sure. It's not uh, elite. And a bunch of musicians come and play, and it's a lot of fun. That's great. Yeah. Well, I'm actually going to be out there in September. I'm really excited about that. Actually, I'm going to be out there in August, too. What am I talking about? Well, if anyone wants to come next year that's listening, um, it's a great party. And I don't mean just my party. I mean, Sailfest is a great party. Go to sailfest.org and you'll see for yourself. We had uh, Here's a story for you. So, my band played down at the pier at Sailfest. Oh, yeah. And yeah, so we're, we're get, I'm getting off the stage and this guy, this black guy, older guy in, with, a, with a beret comes up and shakes my hand and he's walking on stage. And I'm like, holy crap, is, is that Charles Neville from the really? Neville Brothers? And I like get on because I, I swear to God, it was him. And then he just walks up and he's playing with the next band or whatever. And, you know, and, and then he pulls out a sax. And I'm like, all right, that's Charles Neville. Hmm. So I, I said to a friend of mine who played bass in the band before we went on, is that Charles Neville? He goes, that guy looks like Charles Neville. He, I, <laughs> he says, yeah, that's him. It's his band playing next. Where the hell have you been, man? <laughs> I'm like, holy crap, I opened up for Charles Neville. <laughs> nice Jeez. opening act. Yeah. So that was amazing. And then, uh, uh, Michael Allman came on right after that. Allman Brothers Allman? Allman Brothers Allman. Well, wow. son of. Yeah, son of Allman Brothers. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So, it's a good time. That's awesome, dude. Good story. All right, roll that music. I got something for you. All right, buddy, what do you got? Tinyurl.com slash PCL in VB. And when you say VB, you mean VBVB? VB. VB? VB? 
P-C-L-I-N-V-B. In other words, portable class libraries in VB. Yes, because portable class libraries, you can write code in any language. You might not have thought of this, but you can actually write Xamarin classes, you know, that uh, bring your VB net code down to iOS and Android devices. You might not have thought of it, but if you have VB code, that's just pure PCL compatible code, you can use that in a uh, Xamarin or Xamarin Forms project because all that portable code just compiles nicely to iOS and Android with Xamarin tools. Interesting. So, I mean, are we really talking about the fact that IL runs in iPhones and Androids now? Yeah, well, it's really all about the, the portable class library, right? It's about that subset of code that is supported on all these different platforms. Right. But you, the fact that your code runs too, that's what's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be compiled as PCL. You can't yeah. take compiled VB code and, and just move it over. But Okay. Yeah. And so it, it's actually doing cross-compilation from the PCL to run in all these different environments. That's right. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I, I know I was reading a post recently about folks writing for Xamarin uh, with F-sharp as well. So it just speaks to the same thing. Well, you know, we don't really think of it because Xamarin has always been like a C-sharpy kind yeah. of company. And then when the portable class libraries, the focus was on, you know, when that news came out, the focus was on, oh my God, now I can write C-sharp code and it runs on Android and iPhones and stuff. And well, guess what? You know, that's PCL. It can be written in any .NET language. So if you've got VB code, that's just doing a bunch of, uh, you know, business logic. Right. That's a perfect place to uh, migrate it. That's pretty exciting. Isn't it? Cool, dude. Yeah. All right. PCL and VB. I love it. All right, Richard, who's talking to us? I grabbed a comment off of show 985, and that's the one we did with Jonathan Peppers. We were talking about Draw a Stickman and, and the special version he made in China. Yeah. And that whole, you know, localizing to your culture, not just your language. I'm glad you're reading this comment on this show. This was a good one. Yeah, this is Mike Bowman's comment. He says, uh, hey, guys, first and foremost, my son and I love Draw a Stickman epic. <laughs> we were very shocked and awed when we could draw a character and friend and also draw things to alter his environment. It's definitely a cool game. Yeah. I was always curious about game development in countries like China ever since I started getting into Windows Phone development. As you may well know, when an app is published in the Windows Phone store, there are checkboxes for every country that has an available store, and one can pick and choose which stores to publish to. My Nokia ambassador forewarned me and many others that games are treated quite differently in other countries and have certain standards to meet and certifications to acquire that aren't necessary here. I also knew of a lot of the pirating going on over there, and after some research, I watched an episode of Top Gear where they were driving pirated versions of certain cars. Whoa. I'm a big fan of Top Gear, too. Pirated so. cars? Pirated cars, yes. People, the Chinese are knocking off cars. Oh, my. It's crazy. I especially liked Jonathan's mindset on the whole pirating thing, in that it'd be better to just make a good quality product that in and of itself would cause users to migrate over to the official app. There's many ways that others deal with piracy that I just don't like, being all the negative ones, obviously, right? Right. And I really appreciate the competitive way of beating out the fakes. Thanks again for all you guys do, and keep it up. Hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, really interesting stuff. And, Mike, I can't wait to see if you get your apps over into China as well. Maybe we can uh, build another story around that. 
And I'll send a .NET Rocks mug to you, too. So if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or on any of our mobile apps, because we've got them for Windows Phone 7 and 8 and Windows 8 and iOS and Android. That's right. We sure do. And uh, that brings us to our guest, Atlee Hunter. He's never been a guest on .NET Rocks, but you may have heard him millions of times, literally. Because, <laughs> you know, literally now means figuratively. figuratively. <laughs> <laughs> uh as one of the most prolific modern UI developers in the world, Atlee Hunter splits his days between creating cool new apps for Windows phones and tablets and sharing what he has learned via Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and numerous in-person events. And if you've never heard Atlee, uh, you're in for a treat. Welcome back, Atlee. Hey, it's great to be here. It's actually really exciting to be on .NET Rocks. Yeah, I mean, you've been a tablet show regular and... Uh, if anybody has not heard those shows that you've done, to say he's prolific is sort of an understatement. How many apps do you have? Have you written? I'll be rounding up 500 by the end of the summer. 500. In total, uh, 400 on Windows Phone and, uh, well, actually, closing 600, actually, I guess, uh, a little over 170 on Windows 8. And do you have a total number of downloads for all of those? Um, across all the, all the platforms, I'm just, I just broached 9 million. Jeez. Wow. So. Are you the only one who's getting downloads of Windows phone apps? I mean. <laughs> oh, no, no. There's a lot of people. I know people. I actually know one developer we met uh, just a little while ago at the Develop Days Toronto uh, event who we never met before. hadn't heard of him at all. And he's like, well, we're, we're not making enough money, but we've got the downloads. I'm like, well, how many downloads do you have? And he says, well, we're just about 2 million now. Wow. On a single app? Well, no, on his on his his portfolio, but he only had like eight or nine apps. So he was his stuff was getting really, really well hit. And uh, it's great stuff, too. He's a he's a fantastic developer. Let me just tell you about um, Windows Phone from my experience. I have had all of them and uh, I am not biased towards Windows at all. I really loved my iPhone. I, I had an iPhone three. And I believe that's when, when I stopped using the iPhone. But my wife had an iPhone 4 for a long time. And my daughter bought an iPhone 5. And now the wife has an iPhone 5 too. So I'm well, I, I know all about the iPhones and I, and I love the way they are. The thing I love about Windows Phone as a user is the, the, the contact centric way in which you go about communicating with people. I have now, I have a Samsung Galaxy S5. And you know, if you get a message in Facebook, you have to open Facebook. If you get a message in messages, you have to open messages. And if you want to send, uh, you know, an email, you open your Gmail or your email app, blah, blah, blah. So it's app centric about communications. Whereas Windows Phone has a, has a contact hub. The very first thing you do is you pull up that contact. Then what do you want to do with them? Do you want to read what's on their Facebook wall? Do you want to read their tweets? Do you want to send them a tweet? Do you want to send them a message? Send them an email right on their wall? Whatever you want to do, it's all right there in one place. And that experience to me is so awesome and that I can't believe that people don't like that enough to uh, to buy more Windows phones. It, it just is, makes such a difference. The funny thing is anybody I've ever talked to or shown that that have other phones, they, they think it's absolutely amazing. I think the biggest problem is Microsoft's just still not getting the message out properly. And they are, I mean, they need, their marketing department needs probably more work than any other department I've, I've seen there. Because, uh, I mean, there's some fantastic features that they appear a year or two or three years later on the iPhone and, and iPhone, you know, 
raises the roof with, uh, you know, how glorious we are. And, and yet I'm looking at it going, well, I was able to do that on my iPhone or my Windows Phone 7. Like, right. so it, it's for me, it just, it stuns me that, that certain things aren't properly heralded by Microsoft and, and they don't get the right attention. And I love that, that contact centric. It's, it's really great, especially when you want to, you can set up a group too, which right. I really love set up a group of people and just go see what's going on with the whole group. So I can look at my whole family. What's my family been up to this weekend? Go and take a look at it a couple minutes and I'm caught up and I'm, you know, I can make whatever comments I need to make and, and I'm done. It's awesome. It is awesome. And, and, and here's the tragedy. I, my, um, windows phone, uh, broke the, uh, it wouldn't charge anymore. And I went into the AT&T store and I said, I would like a new Windows phone, and they flat out told me they don't stock any Windows phones anymore because uh, nobody's buying them. And uh, they, if you wanted one, they could order it for me, but they don't stock them. And so I said, is there any place in town? Because I need a phone now. Like, this phone is dead, and I need a phone. He says, "There's you can try Best Buy, and but all of the AT&T stores, at least in this area, have pulled all the Windows phones. So I went to Best Buy, the same story. That's why I end up buying the Samsung Android phone. And some things about it I like because there's lots of apps, but other things about it, uh, I breathe on it the wrong way and I'm calling 911 or something. Yeah. Something happens that I didn't intend to. Apps keep popping up that I don't like, that I don't want on here. Um, it's sort of the annoying factor is really outweighing the cool factor. Yeah, no, I've I've heard that from people as well. I think my my thing is that if, if AT&T is doing that, to Microsoft and Microsoft need to make sure that their ability to have exclusive rights to a particular phone or model goes away as soon as they stop stocking it in their actual store. Yeah. I think the whole exclusivity model is a flawed idea. I'm annoyed that Verizon has the icon because it's keeping the 930 from coming to North America. Like this behavior needs to stop. Mm. The carriers are the problem here. Carriers are the problem. I know carriers are the biggest problem, and and they're they're the one thing I think that's slowing technology down at this point because it stops uh, people from getting the things that they want, and it, it's just it's it's hard to it's hard to uh, to really affect them because they're I mean there's a really interesting show I just started watching called um, The Men Who Make Us Spend Money, hmm. and it's it's a really stunning look at how how all of this sort of goes together and how the all these things work together. And uh, it's, it's just stunning to watch, but there's almost nothing we can do about it. So that said, I went and I bought a Nokia Lumia at a local Verizon store and got a brand new phone number and a brand new thing. And now I have two phones and two numbers just mm. because I wanted the, the Lumia. And, I, and one of the things that I want it for most of all is uh, the, the camera, the camera and the video camera. It's got ridiculous stabilization. It's got great fidelity. I think it's 22 megapixels, right? Wow, isn't it? Which one is that? Which the one icon, is that? The Lumia icon. Yeah, it's yeah, it's twenty megapixels. Twenty megapixels. Yep, and uh, five microphones, and it does a great job if you're like at a loud concert or something. It does a great job of adjusting the volume so you don't get a distorted, uh, you know. So it's all about really. I think it's all about taking videos of music and you know loud events and things like that. But um, but that's why I bought it. And but more and more now, I'm beginning to think that I might just give up my AT&T account and, and go with that. But I think that that's what needs to happen is AT&T needs to see that if they're not going to carry things, people are going to start to leave them and go somewhere else. Yeah. But I mean, it's got to, it's got to be a reasonable number of people to do it for it to have any impact. 
that said, there are a lot of apps that I can only get on the Android. I can't get on the Windows phone. Um, one of the ones that I'll make them. Yeah, one of the ones that um, that I like. We just we've been talking about on the tablet show for a long time, Richard, which is the geofencing thing for Wi-Fi. Yeah, because uh, because you know we've talked about this with Atlee too. You know, people like the they have the pineapple devices and whatever that that uh, emulate your preferred networks. And when you when you broadcast, hey, is my preferred network out here? They say sure, and whatever password you send, and they say all right, you're connected. And then they you your phone sends all your requests for Facebook and email and passwords and all that, and they have it all. So yeah. we've been talking about a geofencing thing where I only want Wi-Fi to be enabled in the areas where I use my wi-fi hotspots that i trust 8.1 windows phone 8.1 does that really yeah okay I've, got mine, I've already got mine set up that it uh it turns on my wi-fi when i'm at home it turns it off when i leave home it turns it on when i get to my mom's house or if i get to a buddy's house that i know i've got his wi-fi the other thing you can do with windows phone 8.1 is you can actually share your wi-fi like you can say send my wife send wi-fi connectivity to this person so your friend comes over with his Windows phone, you can send it to him. It sends him a special code that his phone can then use to uh, connect to it without having to share your password. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. It's very cool. Again, crap they don't talk about. <laughs> well, that's why we're here. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, you're really convincing me here. I don't, uh, I'm having fewer and fewer reasons to hold on to this Android thing, except that I like to have one. Um, you know, just to be able to write code for it and things. Well, exactly. And I have, I have an Android, I have an iPhone five. I've got an Android, uh, one of the later versions. And, uh, I use those for mostly looking at apps when people come and ask me to, Hey, can you make this app for the windows phone? Right. So uh, that's usually what I use this for. So what about monetization, Atlee? How do you make money on this stuff? <laughs> There's actually, it's, it's, it's stunning how much money you can make on this stuff. And, and yeah? I've managed to prove that over and over and over again. Um, uh, people don't realize that there, there's, there's different strengths in each market. And one of the strengths that I see in the windows phone market is the people here are not afraid of spending money. Right. Um, there's not such a glut of crazy fluff apps that people can't find anything. So discoverability is good, mm. but, um, monetization is actually really, uh, it's not as hard to be successful as you'd think it would be. Uh, there are some really interesting tricks, though, I've learned in the last uh, last six months. So not just build it and they will come. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is build it and they will come uh, worked for people about a year ago. Now it's sort of build it and make sure you keep maintaining it. Mm. Um, if you don't update your app, your app will tend to slide in the, uh, in the search results. So if there's apps that... Um, that are similar to other apps or other apps come up that do the same thing as yours or similar to yours, then your app will start to slide if you're not doing updates because uh, it, it there's a whole formula that they use for just trying to decide which apps should show at the top of that list. Mm -hmm. um, it has to do with your, uh, from what I've been able to discern, it has to do with your uh, your crashes. Your crashes greatly affected, uh, your, your reviews, your uh, frequency of updating or when your last update was and uh, the number of downloads that you're getting on, on a regular basis. So as you start to get more downloads regularly, your downloads will continue to increase because you are um, being shown as popular by the, by, by the group. 
Hmm. So is updating really about, does it really matter that it updated? Am I just adding new, because it's adding new features? Or is that every time you push a new version up, that sort of gives you some marketing mojo? Um, you could, I, I, I haven't really tested the theory of just pushing, pushing blank updates up to see sort of whether that helps as much. But I, I found that the update doesn't have to be an awful lot of stuff. Usually what I'll do is I'll find little glitches or, or a little thing or make a small change to something that I feel needs to be changed and I'll make an update. But I try to maintain my apps fairly regularly. Um, I've got a number of apps that I haven't been as good on and, and I've watched sort of the way those apps uh, downloads have declined or way, the way their um, popularity has declined. And, and it's reasonable, it's understandable. A lot of times I'm asked by developers or I, I have developers come up to me all the time and say, well, that monetization you told me was crap because I put an app up there and then nothing, I didn't make any money. And I'm like, so what'd you do? Well, I put ads on it. Well, how many downloads do you have? Well, this many. Well, the ads right now, uh, for you to really make much money in ads, you've got to have about 100,000 people that are using your app fairly regularly. Wow. For ads to really, really make a difference in your monetization. So, for example, I've got an app out right now that's got about 20,000 users, and it only makes me maybe 5 or $6 a month in ads. So, you for 20,000 to 100,000, you're not just going to go five times more money? Well, it, it it's no, because what will happen is the more people that are using your app regularly, then you'll start to get higher paying ads. Oh, I see. So it's not just you now you talk about $25 being worthwhile is that when you have that volume, you get a better higher value ad. Exactly. Your ECPM goes up a little bit. Um, you tend to get more, you may end up making more money per the per view. Um, and, and it's, it's a reasonable model. I mean, it's the same type of model that television uses and newspapers and magazines use. Uh, the more people reading or, or viewing, uh, the more money they get per ad, right? Right. Uh, which which is a standard, fairly standard model in advertising. So, I mean, it makes sense. But I found that, you know, if you're, you want to have, you're going to start to see really decent revenue around a half a million to a million downloads. Now, the issue is how do you get there? Um, there's a number of different ways you can get there. Um, it, a lot of it depends on, on what your app does and how you, how you portray it and how you've put it out. Um, I've seen a number of people that have put apps out that are, fairly minimalistic, which is fine to get your app out there, but then you're also going to want to um, maintain it and add new things and do different things and listen to the users. That's the right. big thing. You're going to get your downloads by listening to what the users want. So I have an app out there. I actually sent you a link to it. It's a Kino app. Kino the game? Yeah, Kino. Just, yeah. It's called Kino Platinum. Okay. And it's a really simple little Kino app, but that app makes more than a grand a week or a month rather. Really? Wow. Yeah. Um, and the funny thing is, it made $1,000 in its first month with only 1,000 users. Wow. Yeah. Because of ads? No, no, because of in-app purchases. No, so the app is free, and then you, uh, you, you give them stuff for money once they start playing. I give them coins to play Kino with, and then they have to have more coins to play Kino with. Now, there's a couple of things that made that popular and that work with that sort of philosophy of here's coins to do this and that. Um, there's a number of different scenarios where this will work and a number of different scenarios where the exact same model will fail miserably. What I found was I didn't make anywhere near as much money when I only had a few options and the options were low priced. So if you look, if you, if you open that up, 
that app up and choose click the buy coins button you'll see that you have options to buy coins for 99 cents a dollar 99 right 299 499 and, and uh 9.99 wow and you want to hazard a guess what most people buy hit me how what do most people buy almost 90 percent of the purchases are for 9.99 really 10 bucks because mm-hmm. they don't want to mess around <laughs> well there's a couple of reasons too and some of this is marketing strategy right so this is this is a cool little trick that in sort of marketing psychology that I picked up. I travel a lot, and whenever I travel, I try to sit near interesting people whenever I can, mm-hmm. either in the airport, sitting uh, in waiting for the plane, or on the plane. So I've met some really fantastic people in my travels. I met this person who was actually a marketing scientist. Okay, so he actually studied why marketing works certain ways. So if you look at the pictures on there. The pictures, you've got one bag, a couple, two bags, a few bags, and then a, uh, a bunch of bags, and then a chest. Right. For the $9.99 is the chest. The chest. And so the chest being distinctly different right. helps to attract you to want to buy that because it is something completely different than everything else. So it's unique. So it appeals to people who have this sense of um, being unique or special. Uh, the fact that the numbers are all four or or all three digits with a decimal except for the 99 cents actually keeps people from spending 99 cents because it's part of the herd mentality of following what's more common. Now, usually what people will do is they'll choose the, the first number just to the right of the middle. So (laughs) the most common in that would normally be the 499 except for the fact that the 999 is still three digits, so it doesn't seem like it's much bigger than 499. Even though it's basically double. Exactly, but it has the chest. Right. So all of those factors contribute together to mean that more than 90% of the people buy the 999. And all you had to do to have make $1,000 that first month was have 100 of them buy this. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, and and so... Realistically, the only goal of that whole app is to get more people to download it. Right. So thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah. I, I would point out you're getting them to buy coins so they could play Kino. Right. Yes. <laughs> yep. That they can't actually make money on. Exactly. Right. But the thing is, it's it's part of one of those time wasters that um, people really enjoy to do. Right. Now the other the other interesting thing is, um, I also didn't make very much money on it at all even with that cool little marketing uh in there with the with the images until i started giving away a lot of coins for free and making lots of ways for people to find ways to get coins for free so every time you start up the coin the the app if you don't have any coins it gives you 250 coins right now if you wanted to gamble one or two coins per game you could play that game forever or for quite a while yeah it's 250, which which is part of the thing. I don't – the big thing is don't make people feel like you're money grabbing. Mm-hmm. Give them a way to sit there and play it as much as they want. Now, let me get this straight. You give them 250 coins if they have no coins yep. each day. Yep. And each coin represents one play. So, for sure, if you never win, you can play 250 times in a day. Yes. But – the other thing is you can bet more coins. You can bet up to 50,000, which is the maximum amount that you can buy. And this is all just to get on a leaderboard. No, there's no leaderboard. No leaderboard? Nope, no leaderboard. It's just for bragging rights. Nope, no bragging rights. Just to play. <laughs> just to play. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
<laughs> do they get a score for you know the more games they win? Is there any anything other than playing the game? There's that- a stats. There's a stats thing in the. Uh, I believe there's a stats thing, or I might not, not have enabled it yet. Um, that'll tell you how many times you've won and how many times you've lost. I've been I've been humming and hawing. I might have disabled that or not enabled it just because I was humming and hawing, wondering whether that would adversely affect my money because people would realize how much money they'd lost and how much money they'd spent. But there's no way that they can compare themselves to other players. No. Nope. Really? No, it's just like Kino. It's just like people going to a, a casino and playing Kino. That's a little crazy. I think you might be tapping into gambling addiction here. <laughs> and yet not bankrupting anybody. It's only 10 bucks. It's going to be very tough to lose your house 10 bucks at a time. Exactly. You'd have to really try hard to lose your house 10 bucks at a time. Now, the other thing is, is that um, I'm going to introduce a feature actually um, to allow me to sort of see who bets a number of times, because if some, I find someone's betting a lot, then I'll probably end up just giving uh, like spending a lot of money. I'll probably just give them an opportunity to buy a, like, here's an unlimited thing. Play all you want. Don't pay any more money. Because right. personally, I would never want to be responsible for doing that to someone. Right. Um, the whole idea is the app is supposed to be fun. It's interesting. It's got some cool little animations. It's got some cool stuff. That's all XAML that you see there too. There's really almost no images in that whole app. Hmm. But it's an interesting study. It was, it was sort of something that I wanted to do to study sort of the way of using this coin philosophy for, for making money. And um, this whole new Happy Monkey um, uh, market account that I've got uh, is something that I'm using to sort of demonstrate to developers how I've been able to do this and, and what what I'm doing with it. So I actually quite regularly open the account up and show them where the downloads are and how the monetization is going and show them how I did different things in the talks that I do. So um, I find it very, very useful, and hopefully developers are finding it useful. The other really cool thing that I found, though, is that um, the other app that I showed you is Don't Step on, a, on the White Tile. Right. Yeah. So – one of the other things with the with the Happy Monkey app is the first three apps I put out there had at least 100 competitors to, with the exact same app before I released the apps. So Happy Monkey is a different brand that you do? Yes, it's one of my brands. Okay. And so there was 100 competitors out there. There's, there's more than 100 Don't Step on the White Tile apps when I released that one. Um, now... The funny thing is, is that I was able to get as high as I think I was at one point, I was the third on the list when you step search for don't step on the white tile. I'm not sure exactly where I am right now. I'm probably much lower than that because it's been a little while since the updates. But in that case, when you're doing something where there are a number of other competitors out there, you have to be very diligent on how often you're updating and what you're doing and following what the other uh apps are doing and i haven't been with that because i haven't had some of the newer features that they have which i will i just haven't at this point um but there's an interesting little thing on the front screen of that and there's a little heart with a monkey face on it yes and if you click that so you click on that it takes you to a donate page exactly now here's the other really cool thing i found a lot of times you have these apps that offer you uh, – developers say, hey, well, I'm going to put ads up and I'm going to put a 99-cent button to remove the ads. And I decided to try it a little differently to see what works because I have apps that are like that too. And this has actually been staggeringly more successful to the tune of probably 100 times the money. That donate button, what's, what's interesting about that screen when it comes up? 
Uh, it fades in, and you've got the little dialogue with the monkey saying, I hope you're enjoying the app. The nation part way to keep earning bananas and keep Mrs. Monkey and I happy in creating new apps. <laughs> enjoying the b- game, please click one of the donation buttons below to support our work. And then the donation button, there are four of them, $99, $1.99, $2.99, and $4.99 with progressively more bananas. And, of course, over the most bananas, it says, OMG. So, I like it. Awesome. Love it. OMG. Yeah. So, instead of just giving them the ability to pay $0.99 cents and move on, I gave them the ability to tell me how much they wanted to give me. Mm-hmm. $0.99 cents up to $4.99. A ridiculously high number of people give me the two ninety-nine. $2.99. $2.99. So I'm making a lot more money this way than I was with any of my other apps that have a similar donation button to get rid of the ads. And, and all of them do the exact same amount. I've even tracked this and found that I've had at least five users, even though they know they're not going to get anything more, donate more than once. Wow. Wow, indeed. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. You know what time it is. It must be that happy time again. Time to step on the white tail of the happy monkey playing Keno on his Windows phone. (laughs) (laughs) He'll bite you, just to be sure. Don't mess with monkeys. Monkeys are dangerous. They are. Only if they're not happy. So, it's actually time to give away Telerik DevCraft collection to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But before I tell you who it is, supercharge your .NET productivity with Telerik DevCraft. This bundle includes over 420 UI controls for all .NET technologies, including ASP.NET, AJAX, MVC, and WPF. Plus, you'll also receive Kendo UI, the HTML5 and JavaScript framework, productivity, reporting, and debugging tools. Telerik DevCraft comes with three upgrades per year and Telerik's industry-leading support. So download your free 30-day trial today at Telerik.com slash DNR dash DevCraft. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner, Richard, is Scott Bachman from Medina, Ohio. Congratulations, Scott. Golf clap for you, sir. And the clappers. <laughs> and uh, Scott just won the Telerik DevCraft collection. That's like a $2,000 collection of everything that Telerik does in one box. And if you don't know what we're talking about here, go to .netrocks.com. Click on the big Get Free Stuff button. You can't miss it. Answer a few questions and join the fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. Every show we give away stuff. And every December we give away $5,000 worth of technology to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club who gets that special email that they think might be Nigerian scammers. But it's really Carl and Richard and you really have one. So make sure that you sign up with a real email address, folks. Otherwise, there's no way we can tell you you've won. And that would suck. That would really suck. Because that's happened before. Anyway, we like to ask our guests, if you had $5,000, Atlee Hunter, to spend on technology today, what would you buy? I think I would probably spend most of it on uh, Netrino and Adreno stuff and start playing around with some cool extensions. So, Netduino, Arduino, Gadgeteer, all of the above, what's your choice platform? I think, I think I'd probably go Netduino. Yeah? Is it because yeah. there's just more sensors out there available for it? There just seems to be an awful lot of stuff, and, and I know a few people that do it, so I've got a, a couple of people to help me lead, through, lead me through the rough patches. And the Netduino guys just finished a Kickstarter called Agent, the World's Smartest Watch. 
Hmm. Yeah. So you know how everybody's making a watch now? Samsung's got one, Apple's about to announce one, and so forth. Now there's a Netduino one that is uh, completely programmable. Wow. That would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And when I say recently completed, I mean last year. It yeah. was funded in June of 2013. They were trying to raise 100 grand. They raised a million bucks. Wow. Good Lord. Oh, I love it when good ideas get well funded. Hmm. So many gadgets, so little time. Who has time to play with all this stuff? It was time to write 500 apps for the Windows phone. That's what I want to know. Who would do that? Who would do that? <laughs> So, Atlee, we one of the things that we talked about before on the tablet show with you is your advice of writing simple apps. Don't try to write apps that try to do amazingly complex things. You can actually make a lot more money just doing something simple. What is your most popular app? What does it do? Uh, still one. Of, it's actually really funny. There's two apps that are ridiculously popular. Uh, one just simply opens up the Wi-Fi settings. <laughs> <laughs> really it's a shortcut to the wi-fi settings it literally has half a million users yes it's ridiculous oh my god um and then um another one that i wrote that has 101 love messages in it that uh oh, is simply yeah. just is a list of love messages and you can spin it it'll or it'll, it'll randomly spin and select one for you and you click it and it turns it into a text message you can send to your your significant other and that was about three hours work and quarter of a million people use it. Do you charge for that or is that a free one? Um, it's a free one. I had um, ads in it for quite a while and it made uh, probably about five or $6,000. So it was pretty good pay for a few hours. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's crazy. Well, and like I said, you don't have to, you don't have to beat yourself up with, you know, recreating a wheel or, you know, building something to fly a plane. There's nothing wrong with building really cool, complex apps. But there's nothing, also nothing wrong with creating really cool, simple apps that get something done. Um, to give you an example, the uh, the Kino app, uh, I've got a couple of features coming out for the Kino app that are purely on user user request. Hmm. Like users have asked for them, and and I've had a few users ask for the same thing, and the users are surprisingly willing to have really decent email thread conversations with you. And uh, and help you, you know, sort of get the get get it right, get it the way they want it, because they they're they're very aware and they seem very very sure of what they want, and they're more than happy to see if they see someone who's anxious and 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 excited and willing to help them get what they want, they're very very happy to help. I got to think they become good advocates for you too. Like that's how you get a lot more installs. They really do. They really do. I actually have. A really funny story that I, I show on uh, some of my talks now um, where I had a guy named Angus who sent me an email and um, he uh, his first email was, this is pretty shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that must have made you feel good. I had a Scottish neighbor, Angus, who had two dogs named Help and Fire. And when he <laughs> called them in the evening, everybody went crazy. <laughs> That's Help! <awesome>. Fire! <laughs> That's awesome. But anyways, Man. dealing with his emails properly led him not only to be happier with my app and me to be able to get my app fixed. It's actually the Don't Step on the White Tile app, which had a lot of issues with responsiveness on certain devices when it was first released. Huh. He helped me f- figure helped me figure out what the problem was. 
and is also now a beta tester for all my new apps and a really, really great advocate for my apps. So yeah, it's definitely uh, make sure that you reach out to your users. You make it so that your users can reach out to you because it, there's nothing more valuable. There's That's where my money comes from. Hmm, really? Is the feedback loop. Exactly. All right. So I, I have an obvious elephant in the room question here that, you know, Windows Phone is is a not a very popular platform and it looks like it's, uh, well, it's it's got to change somehow, but it's not a very popular platform compared to Android and iOS. And do you think that your success can be duplicated in those markets as well? Or do you think that you've got an edge because you're one of, you know, only a handful of people that are actually developing apps for the Windows Phone and therefore there's more money to be made there? Well, there's definitely, from my experience, there's more money to be made in the Windows Phone than there is in Android. Um, I just found that uh, my last Android app was, I found it hacked and available for free with all the ads taken out of it less than 24 hours after releasing it. That's why I stopped building them. Uh, nice. Um, so, I mean, I don't know anybody that is an Android user that hasn't got, you know, some some cool, like, hey, look, at this is how I can get around this or I can get around that. Right. Um, Apple it's got a great monetization. Their users are very happy to spend money. The problem is discoverability. Their market is a mess. Yeah. And so for me, especially as if you're looking, if you're a new developer, if you're a new developer that is not established yet, um, my, you know, my, my advice is always going to be go with, go with windows phone marketplace because it's got, um, it's got a decent install base. I mean, there's, it's not, it's not like there's a hundred thousand users out there. No, there, more users than there are people in Canada. Hmm. The while we're recording this, the worldwide partner conference is going on right now. Right. And Kevin Turner did a, a talk today, and one of the numbers he revealed was that there is there were over twelve million activations of the Nokia five twenty. Yeah. Uh, now that's activation, so that's actually phones somebody paid for, not just manufactured units. And obviously, they would only publish the most popular number they got. So that's the most successful phone in the WinPhone stack. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it is millions of phones. Okay. Yes. And and so that's the other thing is that when when you're looking at that, being able to reach out to to people that are using that many devices, it there's there's enough devices out there to definitely make money and. Hmm. You also want to look at and be aware of what the platform holds and what and what what is selling well on the platform. So, for example, the only phone I've ever actually paid for in the last three or four years is actually a 520. I went out and bought one because I wanted to test against the phone that was selling millions of them. And I find that I gauge all of my apps to sort of go towards that unless there's a very specific reason not to. And... I found that it's it's done me very well. And to do a callback to our our message at the beginning of the show with John Pepper's thing on China, the 520 is more popular outside of North America too. So I think the international markets are really important here. Well, yes. And that's the other thing is that most people don't realize, a lot of developers aren't thinking about the fact that they may not see a lot of Windows phones here, but if you look at Italy and France and Germany and and all over Asia and all over South America and all over India, Windows Phone is doing quite well hmm. and in growing leaps and bounds. So is it growing as fast as I want it to? Hell no. I, I would always you know like to see there be a billion Windows Phone users out there. Then I right. would be insanely rich. But, <laughs> but, 
But but Microsoft needs to do a better job. Microsoft, I, and I think that's the biggest thing. Is I mean, there's two things. There's two things that are in Microsoft's way right now. Is the carriers of Microsoft. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I think outside of the North American problem, because I'm going to lump Canada and U.S. together on this, the carriers are not as big a deal. The carriers in North America are particularly evil. Yes. Uh, but I'm still thinking as a phone app developer, I got to make an Italian version of this app then. Not really, because the surprising thing is um, what I do is I build my apps. I look at where they're getting the most downloads, and then I localize for that area first. Mm. So if I see it's gaining popularity in a certain market, then I localize it, and I drive I drive towards that. I also use Ad Duplex um, as a sort of a secondary ad control right. to the Microsoft Pub Center because in a lot of parts of the world, uh, the Pub Center ad uh, control doesn't always have ads available and uh, with a couple of lines of code and, and a very very little XAML you can set it up so that when the Microsoft ad control doesn't come up with something the ad duplex one can and it'll promote your other apps interesting so when you haven't got an ad that'll make you money at least make it run an ad that'll sell more of your your apps exactly and ad duplex has got a great model where it'll show ads for other apps that are out there and for every 10 times it shows an ad of another app, your ad ads get eight showings. Hmm. So, so it's free marketing. You basically allow it so that when Microsoft's ad control can't get, can't get you money, that at least you're building into your pot of, of having more people see your apps. And I found that it actually has improved my, my downloads, not as much as I would like, but definitely has had an impact. So that's always good. It's better than having the ad control just not show up. Yes, hmm. definitely. So I mean, I want to sort of recap here as we're getting towards the end of the show, because there's a bunch of different things we talked about. I mean, obviously building to the right phone, that's a great thought and, and knowing what that marketplace is actually looking like. You are using the ad model, but with a couple of clever tricks in there. And then it's in-app purchases that are really making you the money. And there's a bunch of psychological devices to making that more successful. Yes. Uh, in-app purchases seem to be the place where, where money is being made right now mm-hmm. in, the app, uh, in the app marketplace. So the one thing you haven't talked about at all is as actually selling apps up front. Are you just making free apps and making money from in-app purchases and ads? I've found that just with the with the current culture and the the culture that we have, especially with uh, with Android, uh, Android really sort of drove this home. Is the concept of buying an app up front? If you're going to buy an app up front, it's going to be something that's going to be uh, a little high production value, a little higher level in a lot of cases. Um, the users aren't as anxious or eager to spend money for the app up front. Uh, you can do the try before you buy, but I found found that your downloads tend to be uh, significantly lower. And if you're going to do that try before you buy model, you're better off to make it free and then put in that purchase in to upgrade or, or enable the other features and to do all those things that they would have gotten in the try before you buy model. Interesting. And one other angle here. Are you sticking strictly to phones? Or are you starting to do tablet development as well? Um, I've... I've started building all of my new projects have been built as universal apps. Oh, interesting. And uh, I'm sort of skipping the 8.1 Silverlight, and uh, I'm going to go straight. I've, I've started straight into universal apps. So all of my stuff that will be geared towards 8.1, and I will be actually ramping 
my app production from from 8.0 to 8.1 much faster than I did between 7.0 and, and 8.0. Mm. When did you switch from doing seven apps to eight apps? Um, probably only about eight months ago. So, and the presumption now is there's just those seven phones out there anymore. Well, no, there are, but they're they're and they're hitting end of life or end of right. consumer. Consumer All my seven phones, my Nokia 800s and such, are dead. Like the batteries are done. It's been too long. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so with that, with that being said, that's why I moved over to 8.0 production. Um, and also at any time in before that, if the app needed something expressly that was on the 8.0 platform, that was usually my my go to reason to switch. Was if the app right. needed something that was on that platform wasn't on the previous, then I would definitely build for that. But uh, once I once I hit sort of a, a plateau of where I'm thinking, okay, now the 8.0 devices have easily as many or more devices in the marketplace than the seven devices do, then then I switched over. But with the way that 8.1 will just automatically go to um, most of the phones, um, and this will only be only be hampered by carriers. So this is yep. this is I think going to be the carriers' chance to either shine or shoot themselves in the foot, and. Uh, once I see sort of how that goes, uh, I'm I've already started actually building apps in universe as universal apps, so they'll work on Windows tablets and on Windows phones. Mm. But uh, yeah, I'm going to be doing that ramp up much faster than I did in the previous time, just because of the ease of of upgrade of existing models. Yeah, the question will be how quickly the carriers move along. Like, are you know you you make a sound like. The carriers are in jeopardy here if they don't migrate, but in the end, it's your income stream if nobody can run your app. Right. Yeah. No, it's true, and and I mean that'll be the thing that will 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 dictate sort of how things go going forward. I think that I think that carriers are starting to sort of push their limits um, with with the manufacturer. I think the manufacturers are starting to get a little. Oh, I'm totally ready for the carriers to be the utilities they should be. And just give me your dollar per bite and shut up. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I go in, I, I land in, in Heathrow and in Heathrow, there's a vending machine that'll sell me a SIM that's got five gigs of data on it for 30 days for 30 pounds. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't know. know the carrier and I don't care. Yep. I yeah. take this, I put in my credit card, I get the SIM, I stick it in my second phone. I'm good. Yep. Yeah. That's as much relationship as I ever want from a carrier, a vending <laughs> yeah. machine. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They are simply services. They are our utilities. And yep. realistically, I think the whole selling devices should be taken away from them. I don't yep. think that's I don't think that that's fair. I think that they've abused that market. And and it's just to me, it's it's one of my biggest beefs of the way phones are sold in North America. Mm. Well, I'm hoping this whole net neutrality debate that's going on right now is going to come down on the side of declaring these guys all common carrier and really make them utilities. The uh, Both the ISPs and the carriers could fall into that whole category and we could strip all this stuff away. They are, like you said, obstacles innovation. Well, the, my biggest my biggest peeve in the last year was when I went and bought that 520. I paid cash, bought it outright, and when they when I, they said, well, we have to take the box. What do you want it to be, uh, Rogers or Telus? And I said, I don't want it to be anything. And they said, well, we have to link it to one phone service. And I said, why? And they, they said, because of FCC rules. 
That's simply a not true. That's, FCC is American, not Canadian. Or right? whatever. Sorry, the whatever the rules were for. Yeah, right. they said the, there was the rules of. And the phone doesn't have to be so. I have a Nokia phone that's not associated to any carrier. Like oh, it's, so that's do I. crap. Yeah. So do and so do I. But the problem is, is that when you when they buy it from a store, they say, "Well, we have to put, we have to assign it to one carrier or another." It's because we want to. That's not because they have to. They literally take it and they assign it to the carrier. I wonder if that's because that's how they monetize their their sale or whatever it is. But for my thing, I, I think that realistically, if I paid the full pop for it, you tell me what the full price is and I paid the full price. Yeah, it's you my phone, phone. It's my phone. It's not, it's not a Bell phone. It's not an AT&T phone. Mm. It's not a Rogers phone or a Fido phone. It's my phone. Mm-hmm. Most people are never going to understand this element of the phones, but you talk about a crippling characteristic of a wind phone. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. It's frustrating. Well, guys, I think we're just about to the end of it here. Uh, Atlee, you know, if we had to take one nugget away from this, uh, I think the, the psychological positioning of pricing and giving, getting feedback from your users is just a, a critical thing. So thanks for that. Yeah, I think that if you're going to do anything, your most important thing that you're going to do in your Windows Phone project or in any app project is figure out how you're going to communicate with the users. Yeah. That's how you get money. Yeah. Well, thanks, Atlee. It's been great talking to you. Awesome talking to you guys. All right, keep doing what you're doing, and we'll see you next time, dear listener, on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band.